Taking a critical look at the gaming news of the week. This is Augmented Reality. You are watching my favorite channel. I've not heard of them. The Triple S League. Enjoy, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, the Augmented Reality Podcast for April 13th, 2022. Hope you're having a great evening and a great week. And uh, we are here, the Triple S League, to talk about news leaks and analysis about games in the gaming industry my name is ash and i'm here with saib and Mutag, as always and luna and luna apparently who may uh, who may chip in uh, an opinion now and then with a, sh- a sharply worded meow but uh, anyway uh, we are broadcasting live as always on our community server on discord it will eventually move over to gilded but we are live for our Discord members right now and pre-recorded, of course, on YouTube and almost anywhere you can find podcasts. And, of course, those of you who are uh, supporters of our channel, either through Patreon or, uh, you know, server boosting or channel members, that kind of thing, stick around after the recording session for a post-show hangout with the three of us. Those are always a fun time. We've we've been having a blast with those every week. So, yeah, hope to see you all there. Uh, so, uh before we uh, before we start with the news, Saib wanted to make an announcement. So uh, let's hear it, Saib. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Big announcement, ladies and gentlemen. Drum roll, please. Big announcement. Saib's going to get a cough button. Yes, I'm sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Um, we we we've been thinking. We've been doing some planning and some stuff like that. And uh, just because of something that we did in the past, we're going to be doing again. And we're going to be doing a couple of things like this with this upcoming game called Starfield. Starfield's coming up. And we're definitely going to get our fingers into some modding. Unless the game is absolutely garbage. Yeah, so assuming like, the game I is mean, good and, and people enjoy it. Yeah. Assuming the, the game is moderately good, um, we're definitely going to make some versions of, 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 uh, of a few mods. We're definitely going to do a couple of things. Because every time, you know, Fallout 4, we made a number of mods. We... We're, we're actually one of the bigger mods for Fallout 4, just due to the um, due to a couple projects that we worked on together. Um, we have one of the largest, um, earliest uh, sound sound sourcing mods. We also have one of the biggest celebrity mods, and we also have a couple of big story mods. Um, but I'm making an announcement today that we are preparing and laying the groundwork for a second, yes, the second in a series, of themed mods in Bethesda games featuring Markiplier. Mm. Now, Markiplier hasn't agreed to this. We just kind of put him in there regardless of whether he wants it or not. But we're going to be working on a Markiplier mod. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you've been waiting for it for so many years. A return to the Markiplier Play With Me mod <laughs> in Fallout with... <laughs> But this time... In Starfield. <laughs> All right. Well, that's this, just this. This coincided with the fact that Markiplier has a space mo- uh, space um, choose your own adventure yeah, story his, right now. Yeah, the, his in space with Markiplier, big big thing that he's been like pushing, which been... coincidentally gives us a ton of content to work with whilst doing a spy or sorry a sci-fi uh, space um, mod. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, again, you know depending on the fact that the game's not actually garbage uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna work on that and that means that we're gonna be working on more mods in the future uh for this game and and for others the there's stuff that we want to kind of try and get into so yeah um and then over if you join the uh the gilded i'm posting a funny ad that i got in um off topic today 
uh, whilst on a PC uh, on on a PC Gamer website. PC Gamer gave me this ad. I do not buy displate. I've never bought displate. I do not buy anything related to the image. I've never bought anything related to this image, but I'm going to post this in the chat because it's really funny. You search anime stuff all the time. Um, actually, I don't search anime stuff. Well, it's figured I out. Ju- I just know where anime stuff is, and I just go directly to the source. So, oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't, if I you don't, think they're not tracking that, then, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't type in, like, you know, anime into Google search at all. Like, I, I, I just simply do not do that. I already have tabs that are open to those particular sites, and I just go straight there. I, again, when I say particular sites, I mean, like, generalized, like, family-friendly anime guys. Get your head out of the gutter. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> he, uh... Ex- he, oh, no, Luna. Oh, we have a cat attack. He ex- she knocked that, 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 That's right. Eventually, <laughs> anime searches you. Yes, in Soviet Russia... Oh, all right. So on to uh, on to the news then. All right. So uh, we'll take these in no particular order. Oh, that's not true. General order. But uh, oh, by the way. Uh, so yes, do leave your questions and comments in the live chat, which uh, again is the podcast live chat on the Discord server. And uh, if you're listening after the fact, slam that like button and uh, leave a comment below and uh, let us let us know your thoughts about the topics we're talking about today. So we have, I mean, yet another remake announcement. Now, uh, this was covered. We covered this on Maximum News right here on Triple S Podcasts uh, with uh, Max Derrett and Cybsidian. Max Payne and Max Payne 2, the fall of Max Payne. How many times can I say Max Payne in one sentence? Uh, in a new development agreement with Rockstar Games, uh, they're being remade by Remedy Entertainment. So uh, now... These are, I mean, these are obviously iconic games. Max Derrett was pretty excited about these being remade. I look at this and I kind of think um, another Rockstar remake. The last mm-hmm. one, uh, last one didn't go so well. And uh, we had, again, uh, I saw some mixed reactions to this uh, in our servers. Uh, you know, like, uh, yes, this is exciting, but also... Why can't the games industry or the movie industry or any industry come up with anything new? And actually, that's something we're going to be talking about later when we talk about uh, some uh, some iconic game developers that are coming out of retirement and uh, creating a new game after after being retired for 25 years. Uh, this is an interesting one that I uh, have a lot of personal interest in. So uh, anyway, we'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, like, I don't know. What do you guys think of this? Uh, tell me in the live chat. So what... What is the... Are you just excited that uh, new Max Payne games are coming? Or are you getting tired of remakes? What do you guys think? Mm. Well, I'm not excited for the company, obviously. Like, not in the slightest. I, I I I have been thoroughly annoyed with, um, with dealing with these, uh, this particular developer. I, I think that a lot of their stuff is um is 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 detrimental to the gaming sphere. Like I think I think a lot of their games are good. Don't get me wrong. Uh Grand Theft Auto is a, is a is has won its fair share of of you know positive stuff. But at the same time uh they've been really unhealthy for gaming 
just in general. They've been extremely unhealthy for developers. Um, you know, not not as bad as some others. Obviously, there are worse places to work at, but we do know that you know, if you were a new person coming into Rockstar, you know, somewhat somewhat in the last like eight to ten years, um you didn't gain a lot out of that. Now uh, the developers who were there, you know, when they had their major success and they've been there for like twenty years, you know, they've they've made out like bandits. Congratulations. But not everybody has reaped the success. And and this is something that again it's like I, I harp on with, with Blizzard because it's like it's like you're shooting yourself in your own foot. Like repeatedly. When you when you treat your the people who make your product and you treat the majority of them like garbage. It's like congratulations. Blizzard gave eleven hundred employees a raise from from $10 an hour, which is below the poverty line in most of the United States of America. But these people lived in the most expensive place in California to live. Most of them were living six, seven people per one or two room apartment room, uh, apartment buildings so that they could do this job. And we're talking about like, you, we're talking about Blizzard well, now? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm yeah, I'm talking about the games industry as a whole. And and as a whole, Rockstar fed has fed into that, has helped that, you know, for a long time. They didn't offer those people, you know, you know, $40 an hour jobs. They didn't they didn't step in with them and with all these other companies. They've they've gradually brought the thing down. So no, I'm not I'm not happy with Rockstar right now. As a whole, they're also a I'm subsidiary of EA. I'm not happy with with you know, um, Activision Blizzard. I'm not happy with any of these major, big companies and corporations. They're 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 rotten poison for the industry, and they keep shooting themselves in their foot, wondering, oh no, why is why is the industry why is there so many problems with the industry? <laughs> I wonder, like, but yeah, no, and and I mean, uh, so t- I mean. Rockstar also a, uh, a subsidiary of Take Two, which we consider to be a a garbage company. Hostile, was it, was hostile it, garbage company, to put it lightly. Yeah, I was going to say like I was going to put it diplomatically, but why do that? I mean, it's just our opinion. Your mm-hmm. garbage company, Take Two, Two K, all of y'all. Not not like all the developers and people, but the 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 people who uh, you know actively try to destroy the lives of modders and of. Uh, content creators online and you know actually send investigators and thugs to intimidate people and uh, in- intimidate people's mothers and basically bully people into for for no for no tangible benefit either like there there is no benefit to the company for the behavior that they're doing but you know then they're, they're just you know intimidating bullying gar- you know che- cheating people out of their livelihoods over mm-hmm. over nothing over oh you you grabbed a screenshot that was publicly available from our twitch stream but we didn't want people to see that so, so we're, gonna destroy-, we're gonna destroy your entire youtube channel and and your livelihood and that literally happened folks i'm not, oh, not oh, making and, that up and, and he he can't even buy internet from an, from an isp because the isp themselves were threatened by these big companies 
And being that there's only one ISP out in his area, that means he can't get internet. Period. Like imagine that. Yeah. Imagine imagine a giant corporation to which you have spent your online professional career helping. Helping. You think you're continuing to help them. And they show up one day and say, actually, you kind of really pissed us off. We want all of your contacts, all of your technology. Oh, and by the way, we're never going to let you get online again. Like online again. Not, not we're never going to let you play our games again. We're never going to let you do this again. We're never really going to let you do that again. No, we've gone to your, your, we have gone to your bank. We have gone to your credit card company. We have gone to your ISP and your power company and told and threatened them with lawsuits. If they continue to, to give you access to, to these things. So, uh, yeah. So just strikes me. Why are we even talking about this? Screw take two. Well, because because again, it's it is a popular game. It's a it and and for that reason alone, and and again, the guys at this studio working on these titles, these devs, they don't want any of this stuff. In fact, oftentimes they don't even know that this stuff is going on. A lot of the people at uh, at um, the, the at the particular studio that this all revolved around, m- most of those people, including the head guy there, had no idea what what take two was doing behind the scenes they had no idea and they got a a tune out themselves because of course there was a leak and the leak was pretty high up as far as they could tell um and and they themselves were were thrown into a a situation where they were they were told you know how dare you and again it's because the corporation has this extremely aggressive legal wing of their company and they are literally like uh, um you know they are literally like a secret service uh um i want to say the g word but i don't i, I don't want to trigger anything they're like a, an organized group of secret police that may or may not have been active in and around world war one and two hmm. specifically the second um where they're where they're questioning people you know their own people like, how dare you do this? Do you not understand the glory of the the current people and group we are supporting here? You have to you have to bend the knee. You 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 will bend the knee, won't you? And you know, and again, that's that's the that's the stuff. So again, yeah, the, these people don't often know what's going on. These developers, you know, they don't they don't deserve the hate themselves. Um. And so for that, we kind of hope that, you know, they do well. Yeah. Well enough to maybe get their freedom from that developer. uh, Sorry, from that publisher. Because, again, more and more and more games today do not need developers. Sorry, um, publishers. I keep keep confusing those two words in my head. It's late. Um, The publishers, yeah. They they really don't need the publishers. And and I'm going to segue into uh, this game that we're going to talk about today. Uh, a great example of this, an absolutely amazing example of this, is a game that is absolutely tearing up all of the charts right now, <clears throat> and that is called the uh, Vampire Survivors. <clears throat> um, this game is uh, a walk. I know it's very expensive, and I know that not everybody has a lot of money, but I mean, you know, it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> Seventy-one. Uh, 
71,000 reviews in the last, like, in the last, like, uh, uh, two months or last month or something like that. Um, and these guys have self published. And if you're, if you're just listening on audio, I'm laughing about the side, but saying this game is, is super expensive. It's 10% off yeah. right now. It's 10% oh, off. Great. So you can save those 30 cents. Yes. From the regular price of two ninety nine, well, that's what it is in Canadian dollars. So in mm-hmm. American, it's probably like two bucks. Yep. For <laughs> okay, so you said there are oh, good night. Yeah, that's a that's a ton of reviews. This is this is one of the most streamed uh, games recently in the in the last couple of weeks. This is one of the most top streamed Twitch streamed um, uh, games. And and it, it's really solidly like I started to stream this in with our um, just with just over the weekend when I when I got it uh, I I started streaming it and people started watching and they started reacting because they're like what is this game and wow this is actually this is actually really interesting um, and, and and you know obviously the 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 massive streaming numbers really kind of fluctuate fluctuate depending on who's currently playing it obviously well yeah but it is. It is one of the one. Um, it is the top. Um, it's the top interest, new interest uh, games, obviously. Um, what? You know, and then there's the Elden Ring and League of Legends, Lost Ark. They they all you know they've they've got the you know Fortnite, the Star Wars, Lego, the the Minecraft, all that stuff. They still have like you know tens of thousands of, of viewers more so than this. But this is the this is one that has fluctuated to the top. Again, it really depends on who's playing it at that moment, right? Like who's who's getting into it. As when Gold got into it, and there was like you know a hundred thousand people watching there. Um, so stuff like this, right? Like it's it's an interesting game. But again, and yes, it is an indie game, so they are self-publishing. But more and more larger games are starting to self-publish. They don't need those giant publishing houses. They don't need those billions and billions of dollars of investing that comes with. A list as long as you know a block of things that they can or cannot do mm-hmm. you know and, and as much as i'm happy to see some of these big studios being bought out by microsoft um specifically because the person who's leading microsoft right now is doing so intelligently and is not uh forcing you know stuff but we know that that's just probably just a matter of time eventually the sensors will come down eventually the they'll start to make mistakes um i just hope that that's as far away as as humanly possible right. I, I hope that that phil stays in charge for the next 30 years you know does a absolutely amazing maybe runs for office when he gets out of it i mean sure why not you know like a guy uh. can dream right <laughs> you know and and all for the simple fact of the guy has a pretty like baseline concept on on how he wants game developer game development to go and that's make whatever you want stick to a very rough timeline of of actually putting content out and we will continue to support you because we believe in a healthy economy of games not necessarily single blockbusters period because minecraft doesn't happen uh, you know, you can't make Minecraft happen by by wanting it to. You can't make Minecraft happen by getting a bunch of like the top gaming developers into a room and saying, you know, we need something to launch this new product with next week. Uh, you know, uh, put something together, throw it out there. It's like you don't get that. You get that from artists in a room 
coming up with ideas. And so far, recently, in the last like decade, the majority of that has come from indie developers, where they're free to just come up with concepts and create technology that's good. And and in a way, you know, we look at uh, we look at Unreal, we look at that engine. It's good. It's really good to see that doing so well. But at the same time, we can like you know scratch our heads and say, well, you know, is it good that everybody starts using the exact same piece of technology? Or would it be better to have something different come in, have something different uh, tweak the um, tweak the the concepts of of what you can or cannot do in a game? So yeah, I'm not I'm not for big business, but at the same time, like like when it's done right, I'll, I'll give them the props. But when it's you know, I still think that the best gaming out there is definitely from indie developers. And again, it's stuff like this where the most fun I've had in the last like two months of gaming has been in a game that looks like it was made, you know, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> well, again, yeah, I think we talked about this last week, how it's about the gameplay and not the, it's not about mm-hmm. the, the fanciness of the graphics. Of course, 30 years ago, there's no way you'd have that many moving characters on the screen, but, uh, no, no, but, uh, yeah, that it, it comes down to the gameplay. And I think you have a, you do have a point about, you know, a publisher is not absolutely necessary. Now I doubt any trip, no triple A publisher would even glance at this game. Mm-hmm. For one thing, because they'd be like, "What is this?" Uh, but, but uh, I mean, indie developers can benefit from a publisher. I mean, if, if when a game gets signed with uh, by an indie developer with somebody like Devolver Digital, that can increase your reach, that can increase your exposure, um, that kind of a thing. But it's you know, again, it's it, there's a choice to be made there, right? There's a choice to be made, and and a game, a simple game like this, can become super popular. And uh, I mean, if you think about it, so they've sold, let's see here, you know, 10, 10, there's tens of thousands of reviews. Uh, And, you know, that's, you know, a percentage of the people that bought this game. So whoever developed this game, uh, they've, they've made a few bucks. Let's put it that way. Even selling it for like two to three bucks per per copy while we're on steam though looking at uh, indie games i want to talk to you about um uh okay yeah this indie game if you like puzzle games you have got to check out this game patrick's parabox this game is freaking amazing and i'm in the middle of doing a full full walkthrough of it but it is the most innovative and uh it's just the most innovative puzzle game with unique mechanics that I have I've seen in a very long time. And again, I do believe, yeah, it says the publisher is just the developer's name. So, uh, so again, no publisher, definitely, uh, definitely check this one out. If you're into, uh, indie game, uh, pu- puzzle games. And if you're into indie games, it's all good. They're all good. Uh, I think this is a really good transition point actually into another story we're going to talk about uh, in which we have two two game developers from way back who are coming out of retirement after 25 years. Ken and Roberta Williams, uh, who have, uh, again, spent the last quarter century living in Mexico, writing books, and uh, traveling the world on their, their own personal boat, have decided partly because they got bored during the pandemic, <laughs> which I found funny. They've decided to uh, release another game. And this is uh, 
this one gets me right in the feels because uh, these two were the founders of Sierra Online, which later became uh, Sierra Entertainment. The uh, the developers of such games as the King's Quest series, the Police Quest series, Leisure Suit Larry, they did so much. They did so much. But these folks retired before some of you in our community were born. Let's put it that way. But their influence on the adventure genre of gaming... Um, you know, persists to this day. They are credit. Roberta is credited with uh, creating the first graphics-based adventure game. Like there were games with graphics before that, but adventure <clears throat> games were text-based. And uh, but then she put out Mystery House. I think it was called Mystery House. You know, and I really remember night. them. I'm like, I'm like, walk west. Look, you look around. You see troll. Oh dear. Walk north. North is blocked. Yeah. Oh. Walk south. South is a desert. Oh my. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> she says, thanks for making me feel old, Ash. Well, yeah. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, they, I mean, so they retired in 1998, which, I mean, that's ages ago for, uh, and that's why they sold the company. So after that point, after about 98, they were no longer involved in Sierra. The company persisted after that. But Everything they did basically had nothing to do with these two, and the company actually didn't do very well and went under uh, mm -hmm. within 10 years. But uh, anyway, so we're going to talk about this from two angles. One is their next game. Uh, they've started a new, a new company, just a two-person operation, although they have about 20 people working for them as, uh, as independent contractors. And... Um, yeah, so it's called Cygnus Entertainment LLC, and this is this is really interesting because th they're funding this entire thing themselves. No Kickstarter venture ca venture capital. Um, oh, sorry, they have twelve full time workers, all of whom are independent contractors, and they they formed this LLC for the purposes of launching Colossal Cave 3D, which is a game. So they're they're taking a really 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 old game from like 1979 or 1980 called Colossal Cave. And they're reimagining it as an actual, you know, first-person 3D game with VR controls. Kind of crazy. And they're, it, it says right here, it has not been, yet been determined whether future games will be developed by Cygnus Entertainment or if Colossal Cave 3D was a one-shot effort, time will tell. Basically, if the game's a success, they might make more, they might make more games. Uh, but anyway, they have... Uh, they have a neat video here that kind of uh, is, it's both a trailer for the game and also a bit of a history uh, about about these two. But anyway, they they did this interview with Ars Technica where they, they opened up about their, their game development philosophy. And this is why uh, our, a member on our Gilded server, uh, let me just... I just want to get through. Oh, yeah. Orwell, or Orwell Oracle uh, brought this to our attention. I wanted to talk about... Uh, well, I'll, I'll just read Orwell's comment here. Is this the secret to making a fantastic game? Taking risks and then iterating on the formula. Um, so, basically, I think what he was getting at there is, is that um, the... Basically, the AAA... This is something we've talked about a lot. The AAA industry takes zero risks, um, but 
I'm kind of, sorry, I'm kind of stumbling over myself here. One of their philosophies uh, when they went into making games, again, back in the 80s and 90s, was to have blinders on as to what the rest of the industry was doing. They wanted to do their own thing, and they wanted to, uh, they wanted to be innovators and leaders in the industry. And so they were doing things that nobody else was doing. Again, they, they produced the first graphical adventure games, and they, they produced, um, you know, they, they had wild success with a lot of their titles. And um, also, uh, and, and this was while, you know, shortly after they had got married, they had a couple of small kids. He was a computer programmer, and then she just found this adventure game on his computer one day and, and played through it. It was like, it was, uh, sorry, it was Colossal Cave. And then decided she wanted to make her own game and uh, asked Ken to program it for her. And that's how their company got started. And uh, they had, uh, you know, they had a lot of wild success from that. But anyway, I would recommend, uh, I would recommend reading through this article. I'm going to just read a few snippets of it. But it, this, I just think, this is what it should be. What I've got highlighted right here. No fear of colossal failure. If this game stinks, it ain't going to change our life at all. They're really, they are literally just doing this because they want to do it. They have, uh, you know, no shareholder pressure, no financial pressure. They're not going to go broke if, they're, if their investment into this uh, goes down the tubes, right? And not everybody is in that position, unfortunately. Like, I, I imagine they're just kind of sitting on a nice nest egg. But this this makes me feel like, I mean, even if... It's, I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be their game with no, um, again, without that, that external corporate pressure, like they're not signing with a, again, one of these, these big publishers that would, that would come in and kind of change their vision for everything. But, uh, there's a couple of specific quotes that I wanted to pull up here. Sierra Games, they said, stood out because they were built with blinders from the rest of the games industry. Nobody worked at competitors' companies, nobody played competitors' games, and after each Sierra Games release, its individual sales record would determine the budget and scope of the lead designer's next game. Lots of interesting quotes in this article, but what I really wanted to highlight was uh, actually, after this was published, Ken Williams came and uh, left a comment on it that I think is actually more interesting than the entire article, although I, I would recommend going and reading this article at Ars Technica if you're interested in this stuff. But the article mentions that part of the Sierra philosophy was to have blinders on when building games. As the author points out, we did do some games that were knockoffs of other games. <clears throat> what I was really referring to was my policy of deliberately avoiding hiring employees who had worked at competitors and avoiding having our des designers look at competitive products when building our games. The saying I used to quote frequently was, leaders lead and followers follow. I saw Sierra as an industry leader and tried to, t to always take the attitude that it was our job to lead the pack. We had to try to guess where the industry was going and help it mosey in that direction. You can't do that by studying competitors. I wanted a Sierra game to feel as like a Sierra game. This is not to say we were completely blinded to what was happening around us. Um, skipping ahead here. So, uh... Much of why our product line was so varied was that I always compared our product lineup to the bookshelves at a Barnes & Noble. I would point out to the team that there were shelves for science fiction, shelves of how-to books, shelves of fantasy, etc., etc. 
It was important to me that we build products based on consumer demand, not based on what hits our com- our competitors had delivered. Yeah, there's a couple of comments from Rise Against Them in the chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's all copy-paste. How many Battle Royales came out in the past few years? Too mm-hmm. dang many. The only reason they should be looking at competitor games is to know what to avoid, not what to do. That's a very interesting thought. Yeah, and it, and it's very <clears throat> it's very accurate because like how many of those how many of those um, battle royales actually like changed up the system like basically right? not no a handful of them <clears throat> you know came with some with like one or two good ideas that was it and the rest of it was just recycled hogwash <laughs> and mm-hmm. the the thing that that these studios needed to be doing and <clears throat> and again I keep thinking back to like Cliff but. Lazinski, that poor idiot, um, who who chased other people's concepts of games that they were putting out. It's like, like maybe the problem was is that you didn't have an original. The the, the only original bone in the the body of that work was to make the NPCs, the I mean the player characters, to make them look like just like absolute garbage, right? To to like. I think back to <clears throat> I think back to those um the smasher pass you know phase that that was uh, around a couple oh, of years yeah. ago and it's like it's like you know you take you take the lineup from like you know uh any any you take the lineup from any like you know League of Legends or or uh um Overwatch especially Overwatch you're going to get like from a mixed group of people seriously like like seriously commenting on the the smasher pass you're gonna have probably like a high like 70 percent smash you know mm-hmm. if you were to show them the characters from that stupid what was lawbreakers if you just show them the characters from lawbreakers and if people were being legitimately serious the the the, the pass ratio would be like 90 percent g cliff I wonder why the game failed. I wonder why nobody was interested in playing with those characters. Might it have something to do with the fact that they all looked like, you know, a hobo getting out of a dumpster? I mean, maybe just a, just a generalized concept. Maybe don't make your characters look like absolute disgusting pieces of garbage. I mean, just that's just a that's just a wild idea that I have. I I don't know why on earth I would think that, but yeah, that that's that's typically the problem. But that that encompasses so much of what the gaming industry is doing right now. Is that you know, old school Blizzard used to take ideas that other people came up with, steal them outright, and then just make them better. You know, and they stopped doing that. And when once they stopped doing that, they stopped making good games. <laughs> Like, you know, once they, they're like, hey, we're going to we're going to create our own things. You know, again, they started to fail at that. So it, it entirely depends on what your strengths are. But, yeah, they they hit the nail on the head with this, because a lot of the companies, a lot of the games, how many of the games that have failed recently failed because somebody else was trying to reduplicate something? You know, in 76, is, uh, I'm going to hammer on Bethesda here on 76, but not for the not necessarily for the reasons that we've kind of covered over and over and over again. They looked at rust and they said, what can we do to replicate the rust experience? And that was their first mistake. The concept of like, Hey, let's make a game that's loosely like rust. That obviously has like some room to grow because 76 is actually like 
you know, it's maintaining a, a really healthy population now. Uh, games like uh, um, <clears throat> no, Man, uh, no Man's Sky really has found its own audience. And despite their, their early struggles, these games are doing very well now because they've actually come up with like legitimately good stuff, right? Like, like legitimately good concepts. Again, the games are still like, there's still problems. There's still holes. I'm not rushing out to reinstall any of them. I have reinstalled them uh, each like twice just to like see where the where the game is at, where the world's at, where the community's at. And I played it no more than a week each um, in, e- in each case. And again, that was just to, to kind of see what, what was going on. But the first mistake they made is trying to make the game like Rust, like the, allowing the PvP. Nobody was interested in PvP except for Griefers. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the Fallout community was interested in PvP. They have now officially turned it off. Why did they turn it off? Because their their interaction with PvP was less than 0.001%. <clears throat> like, um, that's like what? One in one in one in a hundred thousand or one in ten thousand. It was one in ten thousand people were interested in PvP. And again, all they were were griefers. All they were were caught like they would go out and find a way to ruin somebody else's day. Not to challenge them on a, on an equal footing, because in in a game where you have PvP, you never engage if you know that they hold the high ground, like the almost never. I I mean I was a I was a long time world PvPer, I was one of the best, and I can tell you that every person I ever saw engage in PvP, they did so because they it would not every single person, out of like out of the thousands of people I met. The vast majority, nearly all of them, with a handful of like a handful of like five or ten, would only engage in world PvP if they thought they could win. If they thought they could use the the current scenario to, to their advantage. That's the nature of world PvP. That's the nature of this kind of stuff. You don't fight because it's honorable and you're a Klingon and you have like doesn't matter if you know. Uh, if we're going to die, maybe today is a good day to die, you know, <clears throat> and they and they charge into the fray, knowing that they're probably going to lose. But if they win against such odds, the honor that you would get, I mean, that's 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 what drives. And, and that's the thing that I love about Klingons. But you didn't you don't have that in most of these things. And again, Bethesda really dropped the ball here because they didn't know what their own community was like. And, and that's one thing that I would. I would suggest that they that they get would be like somebody who, who like can function as a community like liaison liaison yeah who can who can accurately sit their bosses down and say actually nobody wants this feature because that's not what this community is made out of and here's the here's the evidence to support that um and again you have all these games that have been doing the same stuff and falling in the same plot holes and it's funny because it's really been there like this has really been there since these guys actually left the industry um since uh it's it's roberta and uh what's the guy's name ken ken yeah yeah so yeah. ken and roberta they they were they were so ahead of their time on this and uh, clearly this le- lesson never stuck uh stuck never took <laughs> This lesson clearly never took, and um, I don't think it yeah, stuck it, either. Yeah, no, it most certainly didn't stuck. Um, 
<clears throat> but yeah, this this is this is the this is the this is a good idea. I also find this really funny that um so when he's talking he, he was talking to IGN and he said that he he started to investigate how modern games were were made and he picked up Unity and just started coding. Like the guy never like was like <laughs> like he was never like you know he he didn't have to take a refresher course. He just he just like oh, coding language hopped into it like straight away. And then Roberta started <laughs> She started, uh, uh, you know, she started immediately adapting the code for for three D, like immediately. And again, so you know that these guys are on their on their A game because they're they're clearly capable of continuing to do this work. And this is really cool. And this is why I think, oh, yeah, this is why coding is actually you know such a good thing, and, and why I'm I'm partially interested in in working on a project. Um, I'm I'm actually kind of interested in working on a group project. If the community is really interested in working on a group project uh, with the with the newest Unreal Engine, that's something that we we definitely want to look into. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are interested in that, let us know. Like we don't have a lot of a lot of lot of time right now, but it would be an, an interesting idea to have um, kind of a, a group a group uh, mentality, like a group concept. You know, we always wanted to create a server um, in in you know in 76 if it was good which it wasn't yeah um it, it's good it's good now but they still haven't fixed the server issues like i want a server that i can like we can literally just like do everything in like change all the rules all the rules but they're just they're still they, they still haven't opened those rules up they still haven't allowed you like you know it, when you rent a minecraft server if you want to mod it with my little pony stuff you can do that you can do that. That's it's your server. You can, you could so long as it's not illegal, like and and you're not charging people to to access assets that you know aren't technically yours. Unless you're doing something illegal in the thing, you do whatever you want. You want to mod in stuff. You want to mod in, you know, you want to change all the creepers to aliens from from the Alien series. I think there's mods for that. Like you could just go and do whatever. But you still can't do that. So maybe that maybe maybe we're approaching it wrong. Maybe instead of having a an open server for for a game, maybe we just create our own game with our own, you know, community, our well, own server. Actually, a community created game would be really interesting because then you know it's 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 you know focused on what that community wants. Now, I mean, I don't know how difficult it would be to manage that, but yeah, I I think like you hit the nail on the head with what I was trying to sort of explain as i was introducing the story which i don't think i did very well uh but yeah the the the, so the the game design philosophy that they they basically went in with was uh to to keep their to not again be completely blind to what's going on in the industry but to not try to copy everybody but to to make something they think is good and that they think really is going to work and that they enjoy doing themselves and i i think i thought you'd find this interesting uh um, the couple's blinders attitude about video game design translates to VR as well. Ken is programming the game systems to meet Roberta's demands. And then I'll just summarize a little bit. So, you know, Roberta got seasick playing the VR port of Myst, but she's also experienced seasickness as they were, uh, you know, traveling the world on their boat. And she's taking su- taking some of the uh, principles from that and applying them to making sure that their new game, you know, 
it'll reduce uh, seasickness for people um, that uh, uh, oh shoot where's that stupid quote both in oh yeah uh, she's using the same principles that help her with sea to seasickness on boats in terms of perspective and players relationships between head positioning and movement and mm -hmm. uh, you know Brilliant. Ken said that you know he so they're they're going for he he's going for what makes her comfortable playing the game not what's industry standard and i think that i i think that that kind of attitude is why sierra's games were uh were such a success back in the day now i mean i re i remember the first generation of 3d tech was actually being utilized in um in Sierra's games, so I wonder if there's a uh, more of a history there than we we know about. Uh, so that's that's very 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 interesting. Yeah. Um, so we'll. Uh, I mean, I don't want to talk this too much to death, but it's 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 very fascinating, and I've always found uh, I've always found this couple's story very fascinating uh, as well, just on a personal level. Married right out of high school, had a couple of kids, decided to make video games, made a made a company and retired in their 40s with <laughs> enough money to live in Mexico and take a boat around the world. And now they're back to make another game. So it's kind of like, wow. What a what a wild ride. All right. You are listening to the Augmented Reality Podcast, and we thank you for the interaction in the live chat. Please do, uh, again, uh, put your uh, questions and comments there. And, of course, if you're listening after the fact, uh, leave your comments down below or, you know, follow the links in the description to uh, check out our community servers. We've got a Discord server and a Gilded server. We are making a controlled retreat away from Discord and toward Gilded. Um, just kind of waiting for critical mass to hit over on Gilded and then that'll become our main base of operations. But for now, our Discord server still is very, very active. And if you're listening on YouTube, please, uh, please do subscribe to this channel to catch both this show and maximum news each of those shows uh, happen once a week and check out our triple s league channel where you can find game guides game reviews uh comedy stuff all kinds of fun stuff uh we do all kinds of different content over there all gaming related and uh we also have a book out it's uh releases in a week best of classic card games i will put a link to that in the description as well so yeah that's been uh it's been a, it's been an insane time for us here at the Triple S League. <laughs> we have all kinds of things going on. We should talk about this uh, PlayStation Network bug next. First, just gonna take a glance at uh, the cart. The cartel finally caught up with them. <laughs> what <laughs> says Sherwood in the chat? That's funny. Okay, so there's a we we've talked a lot on this show. And in other, you know, in, just in our videos in general about, you know, the issues of everything being always online and only digital. I okay. believe you said on the previous uh, podcast side that, you know, you like owning the game and a lot of people like having the physical copy. That, you know, and that, that doesn't bother me. You know, that's not as important to me, but there is an, there's a distinct advantage in that, you know, if you own the physical copy then you always you always have it. Mm -hmm. It can't just go away if some network goes down or some software provider goes down. Or the server fails. Mm -hmm. 
There's a bug on the PlayStation Network that's causing game licenses to expire for games uh, for the the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation Vita. And first reported for purchased and downloaded versions of Chrono Cross. The bug has also affected games like Chrono Trigger. You know, it's it's that word Chrono, clearly. There, problem solved. (laughs) No, I... There's... uh, the, these games just uh, not being available for people who had purchased them to play because there was an error saying that the that the license had expired. Now, um, these licenses are not supposed to expire, but the problem was there's some kind of a glitch that was saying that the, uh, the license expiry date was January 1st, 1970, which, uh, of course is long before any of i mean it's been a while since the playstation 3 came out but i don't think it was the the 1970s so obviously uh some kind of error and um some people have been it's been theorized that there's some kind of rollover error that's causing that's causing this uh kind of like a y2k type of thing but anyway whatever the problem is uh, apparently, PlayStation hasn't been too helpful in helping people uh, fix this problem or acknowledging that it is a problem or, or even commenting on it. But again, I mean, what a problem with uh, with having these all digital uh, game libraries, eh? Or having having to have things online all the time, always yeah. having to have that, that connection, hey? And and this is so weird. Like, it's going to be more freaky if this becomes like like it starts to happen more and more and more and more. Like, it's it's very very worrisome if this literally starts to happen overnight to tens of thousands of players, and there's no immediate solution for it. It's like this is this is part of the problem. This is the thing that you know we've been fearing for a really long time. Um. I'm glad Steam doesn't really do stuff equivalent to this. Um, you know, uh, I, I know there's some products that are kind of like that, but for the for the most part, like you know, I could be offline and I could just start up these games without a problem. Sure, but it's it's disturbing that this is that this is happening now to such a major studio or major platform, not just a studio. It's a major platform it's affecting dozens of studios. And um, and dozens of, of uh, publishers, um, and I think the lesson to take away from this is like, like, guys, if you if you're if you're just intent on selling a license and that's it, you're fool. And hopefully, the consumers will start to realize that this isn't healthy, and they'll start to move away from these things. This is part of the part of the reason why I've been so so annoyed at this stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody's expecting to own their games when they're buying a game pass of some kind, you know, and so I get that in these cases, but when you actively buy a product, but it, you don't really actually own it, despite the fact that you own a physical disc, despite the fact that you own a physical, you know, computer or, or console to play it, and then you like play, you know, you boot up the game to play while you're offline, while you know, the internet's turned off and you suddenly get a notice saying, Oh, you can't play this game. Your license expired. And there's no, there's no fix for that. Yeah. Like, 
Like, wow. Wow. Just wow. Yeah. And again, redo all my rants in the last like three weeks that I've had about indie developers and why they're better. All these other projects because they're better. Right. <laughs> yes. This is, of course. This I mean, all better I, even indie developers are subject to the same thing. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you buy an indie game through Steam, you're still, uh, or on the PlayStation, whatever. You're still only buying a license to play that game. You know, in, in, I, I, I'll, I, 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 that statement is disputed that, oh, you're just buying a license. I mean, I don't know all the legal ins and outs. Okay. I'll just say that I know, I like, again, what, what is, what is ownership of a digital product? Like if you buy a book, you don't own the content of the book. Like it's copyrighted. You can't take a book and photocopy it and, and then, you know, sell it. But, uh, you own that copy. If someone comes into your house and takes it, that's theft, right? Um, Mm -hmm. you can choose to burn it and, you know, whatever. I'm not advocating book burning. It was just the first thing that came to mind. You know, you, you can, uh, like I, the, the way I'm thinking about it more so is like, you think about it, like, you know, if society collapses tomorrow, what do you have? Right. You know, what do you, what do you have? If you, if you, are a person who creates an, an enclave of, of survivors for the next hundred years, right? It's like, what do you have? What do you have with a book? Well, you have that book. Could you copy that book? Yeah, you could copy that book. And, 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 and I'll say this, if, if society completely collapses and there's no such thing as electricity communications or, uh, you know, generalized printers anymore, feel free to copy information from anything I write because, you know, it's yeah. Uh, I think the, the rules will be that it stays. It'll be different it at that point. Yeah. In you know, it's 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 important that it sticks around, and like I think back to like the dark time, like the middle age, uh, like dark ages. Um. Yeah. And you can again, you just take that over. Say you had a you know, internet wasn't a thing, but you still had working computers, and you could work on those computers. What happens when those computers, when all of those programs, say your, say your, your program that keeps a library of like how to like, you know, like it's basically a, an offline version of Wikipedia with all the rules and all the instructions you need for, for, for rebuilding society suddenly goes blink. Sorry, your license is expired. It's like, well, what happens then? Well, now you have, now you go back to caveman times. Whereas somebody else who doesn't have that, you know, doesn't have that. I know it's a wonky, weird thing to comment on, but I, I actually kind of like it because it's, you know, kind of Fallout-esque. Right. It's like, th- those are the differences in these in these ways of selling stuff right now. And I prefer the old traditional method of when you buy something, you own that thing, and it's just not going to just shut off one day because you know, your temporary user license has expired or there was a glitch in the program and now you can't access your content. I mean, imagine, imagine like being excited for a game, you know, coming up and you log in and suddenly like your account is like, sorry, your, your account has come to an end. And it's like, you have no idea why nobody can figure out how to fix it. Like you read this, this article about this guy, about these people suffering from this problem. It's not that they just can't play that one game. They can't play any of their games on their console that they paid money for, that they paid money for those games. They can't access anything, period. Imagine having to deal with that. Like, mm-hmm. 
you game time with your friends are gone. You're suddenly just gone. You can't communicate with any of them anymore. I don't know if they're having chat issues with the, the, the platform, but it's like you're just gone. All of that, you know, you were working on doing the speed run of of, uh, of Elden Ring, and you can't do that anymore because, well, you just your account decided one day that you just don't own this thing. Sorry, buddy, you're back to basics. Yeah, well, and and why they why they even have licenses that expire anyway? Uh, yeah, why they well, pro- that, that, programmed that just, into the that system? That, 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 that doesn't. I mean, they have. Um, certain like demos and things like that are sometimes licensed to only work for a certain period of time. But you, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why they, they have to have a date in there. And so now it's, it's bugged out and gone to this sort of default, this default date, as Schoolerman points out, you know, January 1st, 1970 is the beginning time for many date objects. So like, yeah, in, in coding and databases and stuff, it's like an arbitrary time they picked as like, this is when time started, as far as computers are concerned. And uh, it's... Yeah, what, why does that even have to be there? But, I mean, you're absolutely right. And it, the, the weird thing is, though, that, you know, I have... I have physical copies of a lot of old computer games. They no longer run. You know? Uh, I, I would have to dig up, like, some old, old hardware... Or some kind of an emulator to to even make them run, but then then again, my computer doesn't even have a CD drive, so uh, uh, hardware obsolescence almost seems, in some ways, like a bigger problem than than these than the license expiring. But uh, but yeah, I mean, what what are your thoughts, Moon? Like, what what does it mean to own something here in the digital age, or like you know, buying a and it's it's not just video games either, like ebooks, ebooks, or like subscription based like, programs. Like basically, you are at uh, how, how do you say? There's a word for this, but it's basically uh, you're subject to the longevity of the publishing company or the uh, seller of the thing you are subscribing to. So it's like you know, mm-hmm. let's say like you have a game or you have a program and then the source goes bankrupt and just poof, gone. Are you SOL or can you get like a hard copy or is there some way to like save it somehow? Mm. Who knows? Yeah. And like, this is something that people should be considering. Like, even like I have a subscription to Photoshop and it's like, I don't see them going down anytime soon, but it's like at the same time, I don't like that I have to pay for a subscription just to use it. Like I used to be able to just buy the license for a program and that was it. And then the only thing that I didn't get if I didn't subscribe to them was like uh, support or like updates or something. But I still had like a base program yeah. that was like mine. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I would say, I mean, uh, I would say that's a, I mean, it's a little different in that it is explicitly a subscription model as opposed mm-hmm. to buying, quote unquote, buying a game on the PlayStation or on Steam, right? There you are making a quote-unquote purchase, and yet, uh, yeah, again, if Steam goes down, if Steam goes under, uh, where where do all, all your games go? If Amazon goes down, where does your 
what happens to your ebook version of, of Best of Classic Card Games, a rule and play reference for your favorite games by Ash Ryan and C.S. Kaiser, available now on Amazon. Uh, you know, physical copy available for pre-order and Kindle copy available now. Um, but what happens to that Kindle copy if Amazon goes down? If Kindle bites the dust? Or something catastrophic happens to their servers. Yeah. Do you like that subtle little plug for the book I put in there? It's so subtle how I snuck that in there. I'm sure I'm sure people barely even noticed it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, chat. Chat's reactions. Um, Shua says, if you have audiobooks, you can download the files to a local machine and make a backup. That, I mean, that's true. That's true. And I mean... And some of them have PDFs. But, like, if you don't have... I mean say all your steam games i mean if you have like tons and tons of terabyte drives just hooked up to your computer maybe you can keep all those all those games just you know backed up um but you know eventually your kindle's going to get full your hard drive's going to get full and then what what do you do you know you know you uninstall a game to make room for another one but then you if you can't reinstall that game later cuz the service is no longer there I think you're SOL. And the company that made that game might not even exist anymore. Yeah, it's stuff like this that makes me worry that the games of the future will be like like what happened in the original uh, Fallout as far as like music goes. It's like in the future or after the after the chaos hits, everybody will be playing like a you know, everybody will be playing like a collection of like really old games from the perspective of when the you know when the 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 apocalypse happened right right so say the apocalypse happens in 2052 october 17th 325 in the afternoon pst um <clears throat> yeah for super super yeah book bookmark that day and guys <laughs> seriously anyway so say say that's when that happens but 50 years into the future, 100 years into the future, people have like some modicum of technology returning. But the only games they have from pre-war or pre-apocalypse is basically they have Skyrim and Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. And like, that's about it. <laughs> it's like, imagine if that's the case. Like, oh, wow, these, these are the video games from the early century. In, in case you, you're missing the reference, it's like, in the in Fallout One and Two, um, it was established that that um, all the music that happened pre a certain like pre the 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 war, there was a big chunk of music that was that was on a different system. That when the nukes went off, they all got deleted, and that's why you have you know the popular ink spots and and that stuff because it's the only stuff that survived. Oh yeah, and it's like imagine that's the case, but with video games sometime in the future, uh, that would be that 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 would be very interesting to see how that that works and like, yeah, hmm. that, that, what a, interesting way of looking at things. Rise against them says I make local copies of everything, even my old music CDs. I don't trust half of these companies that only have subscription subscription based services. This is why I have to keep old DVDs and Blu-rays because at any moment. The movie I want to watch is no longer on one of these platforms that I'm continuously playing, paying for. Yeah, and I mean, if you have the, if you have the energy and time and space to do that, I mean, all power to you, right? Uh, that's what you have to do. I, 
myself, I I feel like I don't have time for that. Um, mm. Thankfully, there are uh, there are people out there working on um, game preservation, and uh, hopefully, they have some success in that. Anyway, it'd be it'd be so interesting to see what happens in the future if that if if say the game museum, the gamer museum is one of the main buildings that survives in a city and the, and the, you know, apocalypse a hundred years in the future because of that. And they have an entire society that's built around video games. <laughs> God, that'd be so cool. Um, shall we switch to uh, uh, last story here? Yeah. So you wanted to talk about Sonic. Yeah. So Sonic the Hedgehog, um, which I have always loved, like, not necessarily like the newer games, but like the old games, the original games, and actually the cartoon. Because a lot of people don't know that there was a Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon that was legendarily cool. I remember as a young child, young as a as a young boy, just like we went to a um, a bowling thing with family. I was absolutely had absolutely zero interest in the bowling. Never, I never loved bowling. Bowling is just, I, I hate it. I hate it. Um, but there was one screen playing Sonic the Hedgehog, the show. And I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. Ever. And it was super cool. Really loved it. Um, but I'm happy to announce that, that uh, the first movie uh, was super successful. It turns out, the second movie is also doing fan blanking tastic. I mean, really, sla- it's really slapping it. Like, I'm, I am genuinely like uh, surprised by by how much everybody's reviewing it. Of course, the critics, it's terrible, guys. Obviously, it's all um, propaganda from some fringe evil group of of. Um, People of, who of, don't like fun. Yeah, people who don't like fun and 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 it's just it's just evil and, and don't go view it whatsoever because you know uh I, I don't even understand why the critics are hating on it so much. It's like are they because it's, it's, like, it's not getting the it's not getting the worst review. It's got sixty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is Oh, there's some there well, I mean it all, entirely depends, right? Because yeah. when you see that sixty when you see like sixty nine, sixty eight percent that means that there's some reviewers out there that are giving it a like a, a one out of ten, right? Because like not everybody's averaging like you know between five and seven. There's people that are averaging you know that are giving it a ten, and then there's other people who are giving it a one, and it's like that's that's the group of people where it's like these people are really they're, like they're they're not they're not really well connected with reality. Oh yeah, just looking here, the top critics. 29 top critic reviews give it a 38%. Mhm. But the very and audience is giving it 90 97%. So the audience, I mean, yeah, it's it's there's there's a ton, Just the audience. There's a well, that's all I ever do. I, I I don't give a crap about the uh about the critic review, the professional critics. They're honestly they're uh What's he, they don't know it's like it's like the game developers we were talking about earlier they who don't know what their audience wants uh these profession, professional movie critics they they've lost touch with what your average 
w- w- what your average moviegoer wants. Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't, just don't know what a movie a moviegoer. And I remember Weird Al saying when his when his uh, his movie UHF got uh, it, I mean it got panned by critics, but then he was in a theater with with some fans watching you know watching the movie. And they were, mm-hmm. la- you know, the whole place was laughing its ass off. It's collective asses off. You know, you know what I'm saying. And um, Weird Al said, you know, I think movie critics should, uh, they should sit in the front row of the theater. And then they should turn around and watch the people that are watching the movie and write their reviews based on that. And sometimes yeah. I think that that makes a lot more sense. Oh, Yeah. No, that, that makes a that, that makes a, a a hell of a lot of sense. And I mean, UHF is not a cinematic masterpiece, but if you're a fan of Weird Al, then it's you know it's a good movie, right? It's uh it's 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 what you would expect from a movie by Weird Al. Um, and and that's again, uh, we we've talked about this how many times, Seb, about you know the Transformers movies. You know you don't mm-hmm. you don't go expecting Shakespeare or some some deep. Uh, some uh, you know deep and yeah, some I, deep I, I symbolism feel... and analysis of 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 philosophy. You you go to watch robots smashing each other up. Yeah, and, that... and I I do feel I do feel sorry for um, Brie Larson who who plays Captain Marvel or whoever. Um, she fell into this trap too, where where she did do a movie and she did get upset at critics who were who were giving her bad reviews. But these were critics who, like, the movie was not designed for them, and and that clip kind of is like seen out of out of, like, it is it is a little out of, um, it, it wasn't a good take on her end because she didn't like communicate it. I don't think she communicated it well. I think she communicated it rather poorly. Um, but it's the the point still stands is that a lot of these reviewers are reviewing movies, you know, where they're like. You know, they're like, where is the the where is the drama, the moment of realization where Sonic understands that his speed is a, 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 a is a metaphor for his his parents and and his upbringing, and it's like, it's a kid's movie based off a video game. Pull your head out of well, your back. That, that's where some of these reviews, like this one. Anyone over the age of 12 had best beware. Wait a minute. You mean this is a movie for kids under the age of 12 <laughs> and you're giving it a bad review because you're an adult watching it and it's you're an adult watching a movie that's aimed at under 12 year olds. Mm-hmm. Right. You gotta you gotta adjust your expectations to that. Or like hire somebody to do it who actually has an interest in the genre you're writing about. Yeah. Because it's like, if you're going to write about something that you don't like, chances are you're not going to write favorably about it. Anyway, uh, some bad reviews, some good reviews. Uh, Metacritic, uh, Metis- its score on Metacritic is, is, is worse. Um, both the user and the, and the critic score, but still pretty good. I mean, the users still give it pretty good review at 8.1. Critics... 47 out of 100. So, anyway. Any further, any final thoughts on that? Probably. No, I mean, I mean, 
I'm glad that that there is now a successful, somewhat of a successful blueprint showing how you can make su- successful video game related content. Oh yes, content that was the key. This. That was the core point of this whole story. Yeah, we should yes, talk about yes. that for a minute. Between, yeah, between this and and Arcane, um, you know, other stuff coming up, which we're hoping to you know see some success with i hope people are out there taking notes and again not taking notes as in like how to copy it word for word i don't i'm not you know we don't want that again you know alluding to the earlier story we don't want people directors companies just copying from other people we want them learning the lessons that the success has had why was this successful because we created an art form that connected with our audience it's like there you go that's your lesson Find out who your audience is. Connect with them on this level. Make a connection. Stick with it. You know, stick with the core, you know, lore. Stick with the core things. Don't don't put your definition on it. It's like the I've used this as an example a number of times too. It's the, the guy who did uh, Batman Forever. Yeah, you know, this early, early nineties Batman with with the uh, um with Arnold Schwarzenegger and and um and the guy who played Batman with complete douchebag. And it was just like, it was like, it's like your movie did poorly. Well, it was my interpretation of the movie of the, of the franchise. It wasn't, it wasn't for the fans. It was for my interpretation of the project. It's like, well, then you were the wrong person for the job. Yeah. You, you, you clearly, you, you had no respect for the fans. You had no respect for anybody. It's like, yeah, you, you have zero skill in this field. God, you're gross. Oh, you just like anybody who thinks that 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 they're more important than the thing that they're working on. It's like it's like okay, yeah, the, yes, that 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 that's functionable in like terms of like people working in fast food joints. Yes, you are more important than the food that you're working on. You are more important to, you know, treat yourself with more respect. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is when somebody puts their ego their own personal ego in front of a project that that is an art project. It's like, nah, actually your ego is not the most important thing in the room right now. But for some but for some people, you find a lot of these people in Hollywood, that that is absolutely not the case. It is their ego first and foremost. That is what they're there for. That is what they're they're there to uh, um, to to focus on, to pump up. They're not there to pump up the story. They're not there to pump up the the experience for the fans. They're not there to, to support any of that. No, they're there to create and build up themselves, first and foremost. You people are disgusting. Mm-hmm. I have a... Hollywood. I have a story up on the screen right now. The Ghost of Tsushima movie secures writer Takashi Dusher. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right who has written such films as Only and Still, neither of which I have heard of or, or seen. Um, and it's apparently going to be directed by uh, Chad Stahelski, who directed John Wick. Uh, yeah. Mm, that might be interesting. I mean, but again, hopefully, again, yeah, you have to respect the source material. When you, you, the... This article points out video game, film, and television adaptations are in a more reputable spot than ever. I would I would argue that's true, although that that means I mean that could mean that they've had you know 
<laughs> they've had more successes than ever that is true out of you know many 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 failures but you know there's definitely been more successes i say the the overall percentage of successes is slightly higher now that's for sure Sonic the Hedgehog 2 shattered records over the weekend, and Arcane Lego League of Legends recently won nine trophies at the Annie Awards. So, yeah, there's so many of these happening. But again, like the the, the what was constantly being reported about the Halo TV series, which I mean, I was ready to get a uh, get a crave. I think it's on Crave, a Crave subscription just to watch that show until uh, I just heard that. I'd heard that the people writing it hadn't even played the game and didn't even care. They just, you know, wanted to do their own thing. Well, I'm like, well, why would I want to see that then? So has anyone watched it? Anyone listening or have you, have you guys checked out any of the episodes? Cyber Moon? Definitely, definitely. No, I, the, sorry, which episode? Uh, Halo, the Halo show. No, I have not. Uh, despite the fact that they dropped the entire thing on YouTube, um, I have very little interest in it because of, of the trailers, the trailers came out and the clear message that I got is, th- sorry, this isn't about master chief. Um, it's not about any established characters. It's about some random character that you've never heard of, but is clearly so much more important than, than master chief and everything else you've heard, because I, you just don't understand this person is the most important thing that has ever happened in the Halo universe. And as soon as I saw that, I was immediately turned off from the series point blank. This wasn't like um, Forward Unto Dawn. Um, I think that was the name of the miniseries. Oh, yeah. With, with a feature of the kids where the, it was the kids surviving and Master Chief came in and saved them all at the last second. And that story was gripping. That story was interesting. That story was... Um, mm-hmm. piercing because of its uniqueness, because of how it it evolved it. Yes, these characters were never characters that you saw in the universe up to that point, but they didn't usurp Master Chief. They didn't usurp the storyline. They were sur- trying to survive whilst the story was unfolding. And that was an interesting take on it. I, this yeah. isn't that take. I, I remember From really everything that I've that. heard and everything that I've saw, this isn't that take. This is a take of, of excuse me, you clearly don't know how important these people are. It's like, um, excuse me, what? Like, <laughs> these people are so important. You have to understand that this is this is the future. What are you what are you what are you what are you talking about? What who like this doesn't make any sense. Who are these people? This is ridiculous. So hard. Ugh. And it's just it was just oh, it was it was it, it it immediately leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Immediately leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Because people hijacking other IPs exactly. to just spin their own crap. It's and like, it's just, if you guys, like, I have nothing against people trying to spin their own super special character with this super important story. But it's like, why do you have to steal like the lore in the background and completely trash it from other people? Why? Why can't you just make your own thing? Mm-hmm. Well, because then you know some 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 big network won't pay them millions of dollars to do it. Then you know, <laughs> like they say that imitation is a purest form of flattery, but in this case, it's like well, it's a, they just took it and trashed it. Yeah, 
Well, that's the like al- just no respect whatsoever. That's the ultimate disrespect when they do that. And if mm-hmm. I I can't say firsthand about the Halo series, but if it is, if they've just put it up for free to watch, I might uh, I might check it out just to see if uh, what I'd heard about it is true or not. But anyway, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, everybody, for. Uh, Tuning into the Augmented Reality Podcast this week, whether you're listening live here on the Discord server or after the fact on YouTube or any of the podcast platforms, we really appreciate you being here. Please do slam that like button, follow, subscribe, whatever you do on that platform that you're on, and uh, leave your comments below to tell us what you thought and uh, what you think about these topics and our opinions on them. And hey, find the links in the description below to join our Gilded or Discord servers, or both, preferably both. If you're going to just join one, um, just probably join Gilded. Like I said, we're kind of moving in that direction, and eventually we will be moving the podcast recording sessions over there, over onto uh, Gilded. But for the time being, uh, yeah, the Discord server is is still alive and well. As soon as we're done this recording, of course, uh, all our supporters in the live audience join us for the post-show hangout in uh, the post-show hangout room. For everybody else listening, uh, thank you so much for checking us out today, and uh, stay tuned for Maximum News, which comes out on the weekend, and another episode of Augmented Reality next week at this same time. Comes out every Wednesday, noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. So, well, with that, we'll bid you farewell, and we'll talk to you again very soon.